Taylor Walker from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giants. That's Brad Eber from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, you with MJ. Number 33 is who is on my 50 most relevant list for 2019. Every single day at coachespanel.tv, articles landing, as are these podcasts, as we discuss who I believe are the most relevant players in Supercoach Dream Team and AFL Fantasy combined into one universal list for salary cap fantasy footy coaches. To help me talk about Tom Liberatore, I've got a man that I know is a big fan, a little liberal. I've got the Fox on. Hello, mate. How are you? Hello, MJ. Hello, listeners. Nice to be with you this morning, afternoon, or late evening, whatever it may be in your part of the wood. I love that you just cover like every day part uh, as soon as you get through just to feel safe. So I like that. Let's talk about Libba because he was once, especially in Supercoach, really considered an elite Uber premium. But he's had a few things go his way against him over the past few years. He's also picked up a premiership medal, so he probably doesn't give two stuffs. But he's had a few things go against him now. He's in his mid-20s, didn't have the year he wanted last year on the football field. And that is because uh, he did his knee minutes into round one against the GWS Giants. He managed just a nine in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and a 13 in Supercoach. That was not only his top score, but his average for the year. Now, he's not priced on that. That would make him a rookie. He has been receiving a discount off previous seasons, what he's delivered. But he's now going to be priced probably as an inflated cash cow. I feel like that's the appropriate term, Fox, in Supercoach especially, where he's just a a couple of hundred dollars over 300000 That's That's not cash cow. That's not stepping stone. That's an inflated cash cow. We're creating new terms. Uh, along the way. In Fantasy and Dream Team, a, a little bit more of that stepping stone mid-price option. He'll set you back just under 400000 in AFL Fantasy and just a tick over 360000 in Dream Team. It was a bad year last year um, for Tom Liberatore, especially coming off the back of what was a slightly disappointing 2017 and, and then 2016 w- was phenomenal. We'll talk about that 2017 year in a moment, but let's take ourselves back, Fox, to this time 12 months ago he'd come off what was from a media critics and even some teammates have been pretty pretty harsh on Tom publicly about what his 2017 season was like and he was flying in pre-season not just in training and in max match simulation but in the JLT community series he went 86 and 96 in AFL fantasy and dream team and 99 and 123 in Supercoach in the community series. So there were signs there for coaches that were picking him as a mid-price option that he was value. And then, of course, something horrible happens minutes into the year and he does his knee. Yeah, I followed him very closely last year. I am a big fan of him. I picked him up number one in a keeper. Oh, it might have been the year after he, after he broke out. I think it was about 2.14. And, but you're right, Uh he had, what, a 99 at Mars against Hawks and a 123 super coach against the Pies at Murray. So yeah. he was absolutely flying. Um, and I watched him very, very closely um, that match uh, against GWS too when he uh, got nine points um, in fantasy and 13, a whopping 13 in super coach. And, yeah, so well, the only good thing about that was his ratio for the first time in his career was up two to one. <laughs> <laughs> over that small all eight minutes band. he got to play 
that small sample size, yeah. Yeah, look, it, it wasn't great for Libo. And 2017, which I mentioned, wasn't his best year. Um, you know, but even then, in those kind of opening games of the year, the first three games of the year, he was averaging 108 in Supercoach and 103 in Dream Team and Fantasy. So he just flew out of the gate in 2017. But for them, the rest of the year, he only managed one more ton across the formats and ended up with an average of 79 in Supercoach and 79 in Dream Team. This was what was kind of delivered as a, a poor year in terms of his standards. And that's because when you look back at what he has done previously, he really has been considered a fantasy premium. Um, back in 2013 and 2014, he played every game, so 44 games. And during those 44 games, he averaged 98.1 in AFL Fantasy during 44 games and 108 in Supercoach. That's the combined average of 2013 and 2014. Combined, that's 27 Supercoach tons out of 44 and 19 Fantasy and Dream Team tons out of 44. It, yes, it, it's some time ago, and Fox, it is dangerous going too far back, but it reminds yeah. ourselves and ourselves as fantasy coaches that when he's fit and firing, he can be a dominant inside midfielder. Yeah. Can I add the cream and the cherry on top of Yes, please. Then? Um, he was actually the league's top clearance and tackling player at that time too. Mm. Uh, eight, eight tackles a game. Six, in, uh, six games he went over, uh, uh, what did he go over? Ten, two at, two at 14 tackles a game. Yeah, wow. Well. Yeah, in that one year, that uh, two, I think it's two fourteen. Yeah, look, crazy numbers, crazy numbers. When Liver is allowed to be inside the contest, and he has had some role readjustments at times throughout his uh, journey at the Western Bulldogs, and that's not uncommon there, unfortunately, uh, is when he's allowed to hunt the ball, attack the man, and be that real grunt player for the Bulldogs inside the contest. He, he can be elite, and he can absolutely lead the competition. Now, I know the game's evolved. Who's in the Bulldogs' midfield unit over these years has changed substantially. But when he's in the middle of the ground, when he's winning the ball and farming that out to his teammates by hand predominantly and occasionally by foot, putting pressure on the ball, he's a phenomenal fantasy player when that does happen. We talked about yeah. that ACL injury. Unfortunately for Tom, this isn't the first time he's injured himself with an ACL. But if we were to go back, and because he missed all of 2015, thankfully, maybe this is an omen for Bulldogs fans. They're going to win it the year he comes back from an ACL. But even after returning from an ACL back in 2016, he averaged 81 in AFL Fantasy Dream Team and 90 in Supercoach. Here's the thing. If he can deliver numbers like that at 300 through to the mid-300s, you know, depending on the format you play. Those are incredible fantasy footy returns based on the investment you lay down. Oh, absolutely. We were surprised at, what, 50, 55? Oh, you've got to be, you've got to be expecting minimal 75 fantasy, fantasy and 80, 80, 83 supercoach. Well, I think it's interesting is, you know, can he get back to those big 2013, 2014 averages, you know, where he was pushing 110 in um, Supercoach and, and pushing the 100 in AFL Fantasy? Look, honestly, well, of course he can, but the game's evolved so much. The Bulldogs midfield has changed so much, but you don't need Libba to do that for the investment to pay dividends. At his price, you've said he's in that 50s range. 
So even if he comes back like he did the last time he had his ACL injury and goes low 80s in fantasy dream team, hits just the, you know, kisses the top of the 90 range in super coach, that's more than enough. That's a 30 to 40 point gain in terms of an average. You'll get some tons along the way and man, will you generate some cash either for you to make a, a small increase, you know, to the premium you want or in a best case scenario, just a sideways trade to a fallen premium. You would be a very happy camper, MJ. Oh, yeah, I think so. Look, some fantasy coaches um, may see the value but not want the selection for a couple of reasons. One of those could be because you want to, if you're running a mid-price midfielder, you want to run them through to the buy and no earlier. You don't want them having that first buy round in round 12. And so you're going to look at guys like a, an Aaron Hall or an Anthony Miles that may not have the same scoring potential as him. Maybe they do. Um, but your reason for not going Libber is, I don't want my mid-pricer to have the buy first round because it means I have to upgrade him before that. Uh, my um, perspective on that, Fox, and I'm keen on yours is, I wouldn't let a player's buy round, for a stepping stone especially, dictate whether or not I pick him. I, I'd be picking who I think is the best scoring option, not who fits with my pre-idealized structure of how I'd like to upgrade. Absolutely, MJ. And, and what are we talking? We're t- are we talking around 12 by? Yeah, around 12 yeah. by. He's got. Like that's 12. That's, that's 12 goals. It's 11 weeks 11. To, to look at him, isn't it? It's 11 weeks to go, okay, maybe you could pull the trigger on round six. Maybe he's going well, but not well enough. And so you pull the trigger after a couple. Maybe you go... No, no, no. Um, by the time a McRae falls down in price a little bit, or you you get some clarity about how that Collingwood midfield now plays with beams in the side, or what impact Brad Crouch has to the Crows, does Dusty come back to being that one ten? He gives you that opportunity to go. I can hedge my bets a little bit, make some money, and problem solve. So I don't think that should be a reason you choose to go away from someone. No, and if it falls down very quickly for him early, mm. it, it's not the worst scenario to drop him down to a, a best rookie or jump across to uh, one of the guys like maybe uh, don't have Miles or Hannah's. Maybe they're killing it at that stage. Yeah, quite, quite possibly. And I wonder, you know, maybe we'll see them in the 50 most relevant um, later on the list. But you're, like, you're right. We've got so many options, not just in the defensive line, which we've spoken about over the past, you know, three, four, five days. But now as we look at this midfield line, there are options there. So worst case scenario, it's a quick move down to a cash cow you missed. It's a sideways maneuver to a flying mid-pricer. Best case scenario, he's going 80 across the formats and, and happy days. Yeah, happy happy days for me, MJ. I, I'm going again. I, I, went in, I went Libra in all... I went Libra... I actually went Zach Merritt as well. I actually oh. got two baddies first round last. Yeah, but um, I'm going him again. Yeah, when Probably. you get the Nathan Brown equivalent of scores across two players, you know you've had a bad first round. <laughs> He's actually priced a lot better than last year too, a hell of a lot better. Yeah, look, uh, I think in Supercoach especially, he's basically an inflated cash cow. I've got yeah. him locked in Supercoach, and, and I can't see that moving. I would need to see Beveridge refuse to play him in the midfield and put him as a pressure forward, um, which would be baffling if they did that. But that's what I would need to see to be talked out of him. Because I think in super coach of pretty much all the mid-price kind of midfielders, he's the best stepping stone of almost all of them. In yeah. fantasy and dream team, 
gosh, he's got to be right in the mix. If you're looking for a stepping stone, if you're looking for a mid-price midfielder, then Tom Liberatore must be a part of the equation. Yeah, Bevo is a strange cat, but I, I can't see him taking Liber out of putting him anywhere else. Like, oh, that's ridiculous. I, I think it's, you know, you kind of look at that Bulldog side, and one of the things that was so great about their 2016 year that now fantasy coaches have started to kind of dislike about him is the thing that won them the premiership, and there was a number of reasons, was the versatility of the players in their team to play multiple roles. Now, that has a fantasy output, you know, in, in a negative sense, where they can't stay as a ball-winning midfielder all the time. But I, I think you can start to see they're building that midfield unit uh, around McRae, um, around Hunter. I, I can see why they want to keep... Um, it's similar, and they're not similar players, but it's a similar understanding of why... Richmond put Dusty forward for so much is why they use Bontempelli forward so much. Is he such a difficult matchup um, for anyone to compete at by the ground level or in the air uh, or keep the aerobic capacity with him? So I understand why they're keeping Bontempelli's role split. But I think they've got that midfield unit right if Libba's in the mix, winning the ball for them in the contest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it'd probably be resting. At the worst case scenario, he spends a few more minutes on the bench. Yeah, maybe. Look, track his preseason. Absolutely, that is for sure. But if you're considering um, an option that is not a premium or a kind of a fallen premium, like a Sloan or something like that, or that's fallen off, but you know what they're going to deliver, if you're looking for a mid-price or stepping stone midfielder, Libba is in consideration. He must be there for you. The only reason he's not is you're going pure guns and rookies in the midfield. Let's talk about where we draft him. Because he could slide under the radar here, Fox, further than he should. He really could. All right. Yeah, in the draft or if you're going off the screen, he'll be he'll be, he'll be very low. He'll be forgotten. If you're drafting yeah. off a of 2018 averages... He'll be forgotten. Now, some may be doing it off a predicted average or a forecast average. Sure. For me, he's going to get picked. So it's a question of when, not if. Uh, Maybe it's stretching, but if I got Libba as my final midfielder on ground, I would be ecstatic to have him as an M7. Look, maybe I'll have to jump a pick earlier or so to be able to be sure that I get him. But I think he offers so much potential. And at that late in the draft, when you're finishing your midfield spots, unless you go really heavy on the midfield and light on your other lines, you're just looking for guys that are going to play every week and have some ceiling about them that could win you a contest, that could win you a crucial matchup. And Liberatore's history has shown he can do that. Yeah. I think you hit it spot on there. Last spot, last spot in the midfield for sure. Even though I'm bullish on him, I'd, even I wouldn't go early. You wouldn't that. go for an M6 for him. You still feel that's a bit too early. No, I, I think right on the ed, edge, edge of your midfield, right on the end. Even even uh, emergency. Okay. Wow. All right. So I I, I think really? yeah. I think you, if you got him as an emergency, you've had the best draft day on the planet. Um, I think uh, things have happened. Yeah, I, I, no doubt about it. You know, if someone said, oh, I'm in a 10-person league, you know, seven midfielders on ground, i got Libra as my bench cover, I'd be like, hey, mate, nice yeah. work. If someone said, I got him at M7, I'm like, yeah, that's okay. M6, I go, okay, how many midfielders and coaches have you got? Um, but that's still not beyond the realms of, of possibility. If you're going M5, um, you've either got 50 coaches in your league or or, or you're too keen. Yeah, it's, um, it's all relative to how he goes. 
in a preseason too. Oh yeah, look, you could have your draft, you know, kind of that week between um, the JLT Community Series ending and the big stuff happening. And he's just gone out and smashed out thirty-five possession games, big tons. He's the talk of the town. All of a sudden, his value is going up. But if you're picking your draft early in February, then no, you're going to be able to pick him up considerably early if that happens. Yeah, I think some coaches will wipe him and others will be keen. So. Well, if you're in a draft league with me, I'm keen, so just stand clear. Yeah, he'll be just in my team. He just makes your team. All right, hey, man, appreciate your thoughts today on Tom Liberatore. No worries, buddy. See if, you listeners. Bye. Oh, you're a good man. If you want to go and check out the article on Little Libba, uh, that is at coachespanel.tv. The links to pledge and to support and become part of our Patreon, you can find that. And if you keep listening to these daily podcasts every single day, we appreciate you listening. We'd love you to leave a five-star review. Really would help out the coaches panel. Nearly entering into the 20s of the 50 most relevant. Getting close to that halfway mark. Love to get your thoughts on the 50 most relevant so far. Tomorrow, we land ourselves at the number 32. I'm pretty excited about the player you'll hear about tomorrow. 